Hello and welcome. Ooh, that's that's weird. Yeah, that didn't sound right. Wait, who's who's speaking? I don't know. You're not Morgan. Oh no, I'm Ross. So oh. today, Morgan is out. He's, Taking a nice rest. Yeah. He is celebrating his fiance's uh, birthday, which was earlier this week. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's been kind of run down at work a bit. Uh, he certainly deserves to take advantage of his day off. Um, but you've got Ross and I today, and we certainly, we certainly still have more to talk about. Whether or not it's ridiculous things like bad puns from Morgan. Gosh, Morgan, stop it. Though... They're funny sometimes. They're sometimes funny, but so you just to you know why I'm angry about this. If you pay attention to our Twitter, um, on the day that we started getting some of these spoilers for what's the name of the Innistrad set, Midnight I, Hunt or something I like that. I think it's Midnight Hunt. Yeah. Midnight Hunt. Uh, a new Planeswalker was spoiled, which a lot of us are excited about. It's Ren and Seven. It honestly looks really sweet. If you haven't seen it, I. Take a look. I don't think it's going to be as constructed format breaking as Renin 6 was. Keep in mind, that was a two-mana Planeswalker that immediately <laughs> went in every single format that it was legal in. A five-mana Planeswalker, the whole thing looks like it's sweet. I'm excited to play with it in an eternal format, like Commander. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, Definitely. Morgan made the joke that everybody made. Why is 6 afraid of 7? I don't know, Morgan. Why? Because seven, eight, nine. So, <laughs> I'm sure Morgan wasn't the first person that thought of that. And it, it's fine. He posted it onto our Twitter account, which I'm like, great, this is awesome. But you all don't work with Morgan. I do. And we were working the same day he tweeted that. <laughs> and I thought it was funny the first time. Ask me if I thought it was funny like the 5th, 6th, or 7th time that day. Was it funny that the 5th, 6th, or 7th time? It wasn't funny the second time. <laughs> but, but you have to know that 7th, you have to tell it at least 7 times. Otherwise, it isn't really the joke. That, that might be true. I, I don't know. So, Morgan, I, I wish I could ask Morgan what he was thinking. But while he's not here in person, he's definitely here in spirit. So, Morgan... Did you think it was that funny? I'm part fish. <laughs> okay, 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 that, fine. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, not really what we're talking about, but regardless. So, we both have a couple of things that we can talk about today that's not just Morgan making terrible jokes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you were talking about a story that you wanted to talk about, right? Yes. So, as you may remember, I used to be a level 2 judge. You used to go to a lot of Grand Prix and judge. I used to go to a lot of Star City Games open events, some TCG open, some PTQs. Sometimes I was a head judge. Most of the times I was a team lead. For one of these events, I believe it was at one of the Grand Prix Pittsburghs, I was observing a side event that one of my friends was judging. And okay. he was stuck at this table for, I don't know, maybe about three or four minutes or so on one call. And if you know anything about competitive rules and magic and judging, you'll know that a judge call doesn't take that long unless there's usually a problem. Yeah, it's like 30 seconds. Maybe. 30 seconds. It's like, okay, normally it's, okay, um, my opponent went to their turn, but they forgot to trigger this at the end of the turn. What happens? 
Okay, it's either going to be a rewind if nothing else has happened, or usually there's going to be a wagging of the finger, don't do this again. Depending on the REL, you might get a warning or something like that. Very rarely it ends in a game loss. Even rarer, it ends with a match loss. Even rarer, they kick you out because you're wearing silly pants. Ooh. In this instance, has that happened it, to you? Well, I haven't seen the silly pants yet, uh, though, as I mentioned on a previous podcast, I was present for Grand Prix Richmond, which was uh, Crackgate. If you remember that. Ooh, the, the fabled, the Krakening. The Krakening. But this had nothing to do with the Krakening. What this was were two players that had no clue what happened. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> but if you think about it without being involved in this game, you're like, oh, of course it's just going to be this. Like, there's, it's an easy answer. But they were in the middle of, I don't know what the two decks were, but they both could infinite combo at instant speed. And they both had everything they needed to do to be able to infinite combo at instant speed. Oh. Um, oh no. So they get to a particular point in the game, and at one point, they both decide to go off, and then they call for a judge. And the judge comes by, and they look at him and say, okay, so here's what happened. I went off. And I said, I'm going to do this for eight Googleplex. And my opponent then said, okay, in response, I'll play this so I can go off in response now. And I'm going to name 13 Googleplex. So what happens? <laughs> and the judge had to explain, okay, well, you've determined your numbers. Are there any other actions? And they're like, we don't know. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> so, in this particular situation, what should happen likely is going to be a draw of some kind. Yeah. Um, because it, both players can continue to go off in response to the other one going off. Uh, if, if something has to happen at source 3 speed, then whichever one is the non-active player has to yeah. do their thing. Now, you can't have two infinite combos going off at source 3 speed. That'd be dumb because timing restrictions and all that stuff. It's only a little bit dumb. It's only a little bit dumb. If you don't have something like a Vidalcan Ori or a Leyline of Anticipation that can make it instant speed, then that happens. My personal favorite would be Hypersonic Dragon. Well, you know that my personal favorite is just doing it at mana ability speed and forcing the draw of the game. Both of our favorite combos. Cage. Man after sun. Me, my Man after my own heart. Uh Anyway, we can continue to tell that story. We'll, we'll tell that story every couple months, I think. I think it's important to know yeah, that. So eventually the judge had started them for a second, like, do you have any other actions? And they both essentially said, I don't know, do we? Essentially, you can't ask the judge to be able to tell you what to do. So yeah. the judge asked again, well, I'm not sure. Are there any other actions? And both players said no. <laughs> so that means instead of a draw, one of the players won. <laughs> <clears throat> and both players were fine with that. They're, they said, well, you're the one who went off second, and there are no other actions. Does it resolve? Yes. Okay, you win. And both players were like, okay. And then they just shuffled up. <laughs> the thing that was confusing to them was not the concept of the timing. It was, is Googleplex a real number? Because I think it's more of a concept than anything else, but... Uh, no, it's not. It's a hundred zeros after a, a, a one, isn't it? That's what a Googleplex is? I, I think so. I'm not even sure. I th that might just be what a uh -oh. Google is. 
Wait, are you are you Googling a Googleplex? I'm going to Google the Googleplex. Oh no. Let's see what happens. Does Googleplex Does Google break? Equivalent to ten raised to the power of a Google. That doesn't help me. That... So it's ten to to the power of ten to the power of a hundred. A Google is ten to the power of a hundred. Okay, that makes sense. So a Google Plex is what they were saying. So it's a big number. For our, for our for our listeners who have not had the experience of doing an infinite combo in uh, any kind of REL competition, whenever you do an infinite combo, you are then compelled to just choose an arbitrary number. Yeah. Because if your opponent can respond, they should be able to respond. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that's. It's very clear that that wasn't a high level of play because I was never a very good player. And I, even I know that it's like, what? You just go, you continue to go off. They were just really confused. Yeah, they were just confused. <laughs> that is. Now, to be fair, I want to say this was game three. I want to say this was like match uh, round five yeah. of a side event that was on a Sunday, which yeah. means that both of these players theoretically could have been playing in the main event with something else. These could have been decks that neither were, were particularly familiar with, but it's like, hey, it's a deck in the format that does an infinite thing. Woo! I don't know. <laughs> um, but they both could have been tired. I have certainly not held a grudge for players losing their mind space, mental energy at the end of Sunday on a Grand Prix weekend. That that's, happens. That's fair, yeah. So anyway, that's my story about how a Googleplex confused two Magic the Gathering players. All right. So the next thing that I think we were wanting to talk about is I recently got into Flesh and Blood. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, no. I don't know why. Not entirely sure how. I just decided, you know, this game I played a couple times. It's, it's kind of fun. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy some product. Mm-hmm. And see how that goes. So how much money did you invest into these first edition boxes I see in front of me? Oh, God. That, no, they're not that. <laughs> Please, no. They're, I'm, you you no respect way. and value your mortgage on this. You did not pawn your Gitrog monster deck to buy two first edition boxes of Flesh and Blood. No. We'll have to talk about willpower later. But anyway, <laughs> we have these boxes in front of us. Yeah, they, um, one was a Welcome to Wraith box, and the other one is an Arcane Rising box. Now, one of these boxes is open. The other one is not. Yes. We will have this conversation about willpower again as well. <laughs> but again, do you want to open up a couple of packs? Do you want to talk yeah. about what the sets are about? Do you want to talk about why you bought these? Or do you just want to open them because you have an addiction? Uh, mostly the latter there. Okay, why don't we okay. get into that? Okay. So, so this is a sealed box. This is an unlimited print run of which set did you say this one was? This is Arcane Rising. Arcane Rising. When did this set come out, if you're aware? I honestly don't know. I will use the Googleplex to figure that out. What do you mean there's no Wikipedia article on this already? <laughs> um, I don't know. It looks like some of these stories... Not stories. It looked like I can see some articles that go back as far back as last year, March. So March 30th, 2020 is the earliest article. I could see it at fabtcg.com, yeah, but I'm not sure. the Flesh and Blood uh, website. Yeah, I don't believe it. Okay, so I'll open a pack here. 
Now, can you, while you're opening it, can you at least talk about like the difference in rarities in the set? They're honestly a little confusing to me. There's common, rare, super majestic, legendary, and fabled. And the one pack I opened was just common and rare. Yes. Wow, I'm great. Uh, so, commons, they're like, uh, I think 12 in a pack-ish. Then there are two slots that are rare or higher. And then there's one slot that's a foil that can either be foil anything from common to majestic or legendary or fabled. I was, it was explained to me that rares are basically like uncommons and supers are like rares, majestics are like mythics, and then legendary... Is like pulling one of the power nine in the moto queue. Uh, no, legendary is like one per case and then fabled is like one per like multiple cases. It's like very... I'm not, do not quote me on the, these numbers. I do not actually know. For your official breakdown and rules of uh, Flesh and Blood, the trading card game, uh, send all of your inquiries to Ross. Indeed, I know clearly everything. And you can send him those tweets at kicking underscore myself by just asking for Ross in your tweet. Or if you wanted to be able to tell us your story about Flesh and Blood, you can send that to us at kicking myself mtg at gmail.com yes and so i opened this and i actually got a majestic so that's oh my goodness that's pretty good that's better than what i opened yeah and it was a red high octane red high octane yeah, i have I no idea what this, that means i'll be honest i don't even know what's in this set i <laughs> i just wanted to open some packs and it was cheap so uh yeah, that's sweet. Um, I'll open one more. All right, well, High Octane Red. If we went to fabdb.net, which I'm assuming is a reliable place to be able to check up the prices. And in fact, oh, here we go. Oh, it's like 12 15 nice. I'm seeing prices anywhere from like low teens to 30 if I'm nice. counting New Zealand dollars. Whoa, I got another Majestic. That's My crazy. goodness gracious golly gosh. I'm way better opening packs than uh, not Morgan over here. I don't, Morgan, are you offended at the fact that he just confused me with you? Oh, I was thinking about Pokemon. <laughs> I, I really did almost say Morgan and didn't save myself. <laughs> and this one is a red Mordred Tide. Mordred is a word? Mordred, yes. Maybe a name. M O R D. R-E-D? Yes. That is a word. Is it a word? What does it mean? I am not sure, but it apparently is a word because it's printed on a set. I don't believe you. It uh, looks like it goes for anywhere from four to five. Okay. So those were... Two packs. To be quite honest, above average packs of Flesh and Blood. Uh, if you, generally speaking, unless you get like a really chase card or like one of the legendaries... Or Fabled. Or fa fables are worth like hundreds of dollars, and from what I understand, most of them are unplayable. <laughs> um, so it's and, like original commander. Exactly. <laughs> and so it's 
like you're generally not going to get your money back at the moment from unlimited boxes but i'm actually more like in it for like the commons and such because i'm trying to build a collection to be able to play so that's really fun maybe one of these days i'll get into fable or i say i keep saying fable because i look at the side of the box it says fab i'm like well clearly that's fable the trading card game but peter <laughs> molyneux hasn't made anything credible or worthy worthy since Ever. i guess the original fable because then afterwards, everything just fell short. I'm just going to say ever. I liked Fable. Yeah, but did not live up to what he said it was going to That's be. That's true. It wasn't as bad as Goddess, if you remember that. I do not remember that. Oh, Actually, I've got a tangent for all of you who remember the earlier days of playing web-based apps and like mobile apps. Uh, you may recall a game, I want to say at the beginning of last decade, that was just called What's in the Cube. Okay. So this was a game where all it was is you loaded it up and you're connected to a worldwide server and it was this massive cube with tiny cubelets that were strewn across it and when you tap on it, it disappears. But when it disappears in your game, it disappears across the entire world. And the point of this is the joint powers and efforts of everybody playing this game was going to break this cube down until they get to the one in the center. Whoever tapped the center cube oh. got a prize from the... Um, I remember the, this. Yep. So this was Peter Molyneux's big, whoever gets this gets a big, big prize, and it's a real prize. As it turns out, the person who got this was shown a video at the end of it, and then was told, you can either share this with the world, or you can keep this secret. Either way is fine. The player who got it chose to share it with the rest of the world. What it was was a preview for the new game that they were developing called Goddess, which I played. It's actually pretty fun for the first, like, hour or so. You're essentially trying to... It's very similar to, like, Black and White or, like, the original, like, God games where you're, like, trying to create a civilization, fight against other civilizations, except there's kind of, like, the multiplayer across the world where you have your civilizations against other people's civilizations. But the prize that this player got, in addition to this trailer or announcement that this was happening was the player was going to be a major part of the first six, uh, six months of Goddess when this uh, particular feature came out. He, they were going to be the god of for six months in Goddess and also get 10% of the revenue from the game. Whoa. Okay. Turns out the game didn't generate much revenue. Uh, they never dropped the patch that actually let him be the god and the game folded. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, I, last I checked, which is like maybe about a year or a year and a half ago, you can still download this game. Um, and I played around with it because I keep forgetting that it sucks after a while, but like the first <laughs> hour is fun. Anyway, um, if you're a, a big fan of like sculpting the world and like actual consequence versus uh, positives type game, I liked the original Fable. It wasn't this every decision you make will change the whole world thing. It was essentially every decision you make is either good or bad. And you have this little bar that, like, the more good things you do, the better good you are. The more evil things do, the better evil you are. And most people ended up being stuck in the middle. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember that. So, uh, what is that envelope that you got right there? So, this envelope I just got, I want to say, like, today or yesterday... Uh, is an envelope from Alchemist Refuge. If you listened to our previous podcast, you would have listened to a wonderful conversation we had with John Medina talking about not just his 
virtual shop, which is, or not virtual shop, it's online shop, Alchemist Refuge. Mm -hmm. Also his stream, which is Medina Streams on Twitch, uh, where he has a phenomenal Discord, passionate Discord through Alchemist Refuge. Anyway, yeah. all that, we've talked about that at great length. It's an awesome community, check it out. But I decided to crash his stream on Monday night, shortly after we dropped that interview, to kind of hype up the episode and see what the community was doing that day. And I also decided I would buy a pack of Modern Horizons 2 for him to open up. Nothing Ooh, big, nice. not yeah. a collector boosters of anything, you know, just a pack of Modern Horizons 2. Was it set or draft? Um, I want to say it was set. How many rares did you get? I think I got two. Okay, then probably set. Yeah. I am not sure. <laughs> Regardless, um, not only did he open up the pack on stream for me and opened a card I wanted, which was kind of awesome. Not yeah. only was it a card I wanted, but it was yeah. also a card I didn't have. And I'll show you what it was when we get there. Awesome. Yeah. But he also decided, he recognized my name when I placed the order and he decided to throw me a card in the juice box. The juice box is whenever you buy a certain pack or you're part of the pack club and you get these subscription type packs once a month, you get a random card out of the juice box pile. Morgan, you've certainly donated cards to the juice box before, right? John, I did not actually say that Corlash sucks. Corlash sucks. That was incredibly offensive. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure why you had to say that, but anyway, Morgan, you've been very, very generous at donating cards to the to the juice box. Didn't we donate a Corlash to the juice box not too long ago? We did. I did not end up with that. Oh, that that would have been, been great. great. <laughs> uh, but that Corlash, Corlash, I think, is still up for grabs in the juice box. Why don't I open up this pack? or this envelope, so you can see what my plunder was. Um, ooh, the unboxing sounds. We had some packs opening up. So I believe here, yep, yeah, this is just an invoice. Ooh, 10% off my next purchase when I use this code. Not gonna share that with all of y'all. Good thing I'll steal it. Dang it. <laughs> all right, very, very well packaged. It has one of these outer sealable sleeves and it is packaged with a couple of pieces of thin cardstock or cardboard. Oh, that's right. So my juice box was on top and my juice box is actually a, a mystical archive card that I had not had. What is it? And it was, it's not a big rare one, but it was Manatithe. Oh, right. I'm still missing the foil one of these Japanese Manatithes for my set. Yeah, it's, it's not a foil one. I know, I'm very sad. Um, I'm missing four now. It is English Teferi's Protection Foil. I do not have that. Um, English Day of Judgment Foil. I do not have that. Japanese Manatide Foil. I clearly don't have that. And Japanese Crux of Fate Foil. I think I just have the English Crux of Fate foil. Ooh, the stolen art? Yeah. Oh, very nice. That's currently in my Ramos deck. Kind of felt like having a wipe, a board wipe that doesn't kill my commander is good. That, yeah, that's pretty sweet. So, when you buy one of these packs to be open on stream, you tend not to get the comments back unless you make a, uh, a comment in the stream. Ooh, can I get that comment? I need that. Usually that's going to go up into his... Uh, his inventory or to other players that need those cards. And yeah. that, that's understandable. That's one of the things that you expect when you're buying these online. So I ended up with th five cards from my pack. One of them is an art card. 
It appears to be from Drossforge Bridge. I yeah. believe this is from the Black Red artifact in Destructible Land. Yeah, I was going to say when you showed it to me, it looked like one of the bridges. Yeah. Um, which is all the, they're all bridges and they're all uh, artifact lands. So I got a card I was hoping to get but didn't really care to try to find, which was tem uh, Terminal Agony. The Ooh. older print, the, uh, what, what do they call it? Old Border old border version retro frame retro frames see this is how out of the loop i am i got the retro frame terminal agony uh and i currently have a retro framed asmarada marika dyson akuldakar uh to eventually build that deck and that'll go in that for discard purposes well i'm glad that you're able to pronounce that because i still can't <laughs> i also got a foil galvanic relay Nothing particularly big, but you know what? It's another storm card, and it's in foil. So yeah, this card's sweet. I always forget that it exists, but apparently it's really big in Popper Storm right now. Oh, I can imagine it'd be really big in Popper Storm, just as more ways to be able to turn through your deck mm -hmm. and be able to get more things off for more storm. Well, what is the kill condition in Popper Storm right now? Is Grape Shot still legal? I think Does so. Empty I... is not legal. I think. No, I think empty is. Empty is. It's the blue bounce one yeah, that's the, not legal. Yeah, uh, Temporal Fissure is Temporal banned. Temporal Fissure is banned. And I think there's another blue storm card that's banned. Uh, brain Freeze? No, that's not. That's an uncommon. That's an uncommon. I have no idea. I'm not I sure. am not very well versed in the popper ban list. So the first of my two rares mm -hmm. is going to be Karmic Guide. Now, I have a bunch of those. So that's a... Good That's good card that is now worth literally nothing because of this set. Yeah, I mean, this card is, it was, uh, for the longest time, the only one of these I had was the one I opened back when I was opening Urza's Legacy. They used to be so expensive. They used to be, but that's because it was a way to be able to start like chaining, reanimating yeah. targets out of the graveyard. Yeah, and it's a good card, and when it was like, you had the Judge Foil, mm -hmm. or the original printing and the original printing was like 10 years old and or even more at that point it was like like what a 20 dollar card or something yeah which but, was a lot back then by the way but to be fair like while this card is a good card it's not one of those cards that's like game breaking or back breaking it's not the reason yeah. why you're winning and for it to be as expensive as it was i don't think it was right for that particular card so I'm not always happy that cards get reprinted mm -hmm. into oblivion to the point where they lose their value, but something like this, which really should be in the hands of casual players, I actually really like. Nice. The other one is one for my CEDH binder that I did get. Okay. Final card I have, and this is a card that Morgan says, I don't know why this card is good. It's not as good as other cards that are compared to it, but the fact that it goes in other types of decks and it provides a similar type of effect, okay. I'm very happy. Uh, happy. I'm very happy. Esper Sentinel. Oh, yeah. That card's perfectly good. Yeah. I'm a big fan of this card. Being able to have something similar to something like Rhystic Study or Mystic Report, just a way to be able to tax players for you to get more card draw, that's great. And especially at one mana for, even if it's just a 1-1, one, one, I would play this in any white I mean, CEDH deck. It's not as good as Rhystic Study, of but also not. it doesn't cost three mana. And it also attacks... And it's that, also vulnerable to removal, but like how much spot removal are you playing in CEDH that's not counter spells? Yeah, I mean... It dies the mental misstep. Yes. I, if anyone mental missteps an Esper Sentinel, I'm, I'll probably wag a finger at them and say, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. 
Esper Sentinel is fine. Just the one mana cards you can play in CDH. <laughs> and the just... ones that you can counter instead. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, don't counter that Soul Ring on turn one. I'll do Esper Sentinel instead. So I'm going to play two cards on turn one. I'll play Esper Sentinel. Oh, I'm into a misstep that. Oh, man. Fine. Here's my Carpet of Flowers. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's also a pretty broken card. <laughs> so... Um, Again, thank you very much, John Medina, for your awesome stream. It was a lot of fun chatting. I think I managed to get a couple of Corlash digs in throughout the course of the stream. Um, fun community. Corlash trash. Corlash sucks. Hashtag core trash. Core trash. Ooh. That doesn't rhyme, though. No, it doesn't. It's. I'm sorry. That was a downgrade. <sighs> well, at least it wasn't rare shifted. <laughs> It'd be a mythic next time. It will be. Oh, Morgan, was there anything you wanted to talk about today? I drink Bailey's from a shoe. Don't need to hear about the shoe, okay? We really don't need to hear about the shoe. Why Bailey's? Well, the, you did see the Bailey's I have over there. Okay, that's yeah, fair. That, that, I, I think he's just getting excited. Well, one other thing I wanted to talk about briefly was spell table, oh, and about the rigs that people yeah. put together for spell table. And I see you smiling a little bit because we already had this conversation and you already had a blast of me ranting about this. But let me paint this picture for you. I love the idea of playing with my collection, my physical cards online in a free method that allows me to connect to other individuals who want to do the same. You can find as low powered, as high powered, as casual, as competitive, whichever way you want through spelltable.com. I think that that's been a fantastic boon over the past year and a half or so since it's been, since the pandemic hit at the very least, everybody jumping onto that. But if there's one thing that I'm just depressed over, it's the terrible, horrible, ill-conceived, and quite frankly, just time-consuming rigs that people put together just to allow themselves to have spell table. So the amazing rigs that I typically see online involve some combination of wooden planks like two by fours, or PVC pipe, or metal frames, or <laughs> bookshelves stacked on top of each other, or desks stacked on top of desks with things like clamped or taped in place, just so they can make sure that they have their camera high enough with enough light that can allow in so that their cards can be reached there. Uh, a lot of people are actually copying a lot of the rigs that you see from places like Star City Games, their open series, the Grand Prix series, or like the just normal content that they create at their game center in Roanoke. So something that can suspend the cameras pretty high up. Um, some people I've talked to in the process of them making these rigs have spent Anywhere from, I don't know, 50, 60, 100. I've heard some people say that they spend $200 just putting the rig oh, together. Jeez. Um, seems expensive, <clears throat> but probably save a decent amount of money than buying a like good stand, right? So what I've <laughs> built, um, I have a, a, a table-mounted camera arm. And when I say mounted, I don't mean clamped. I mean, it's got a base that I can set it on table. It's probably no taller than a table lamp. I would say it might be about two feet tall at most. Yeah, it, you can see it over there. I can see it and it literally looks like a table lamp. Literally looks like a table lamp, except you see that I've connected a camera to the end of it. The edge of this mounting arm has a screw that you can screw just any old webcam in. I have a Razer Kayo 
and it has a ring light on it. I can adjust this ring light to be as bright or as dim as I need. Uh, in some cases, I'll need it to be brighter, but if for whatever reason my surrounding light causes that to be reflected, I can turn the light off and then the light from my room is good enough for you to be able to see what's on it. Okay, yeah. But, like, people are dying to know, how much did you spend on this amazing rig? 20 bucks. <laughs> and to be clear, we're not trying to sell you this. We're no. just, we're trying to tell you that there are simpler solutions. There are simpler <laughs> solutions. Not only that, uh, so, some of these people that put these rigs together say, well, I spent maybe the entire weekend putting this together, or I spent like the like two or three nights in a row like assembling this so I could have this. I literally put it into my cart on Amazon, pressed buy it now, and then it arrived the next day. That was all the effort I put. When it arrived, I opened the box. I screwed the Razer Kayo into the end of it, and then I plugged it into my computer and I played. <laughs> That, that was literally like it. Work. So for those of you that are listening to this podcast and you're thinking, I want to get into spell table, but it takes so much effort. Shame on you. I wag my <laughs> finger. Morgan, what do you have to say? Do top loaders count as socks? That has nothing to do with the conversation, but you know, that's okay. Um, so yeah, if you're waiting to build a rig because you want to have time, I can assure you, you really don't need to. If you have a decent webcam that can stream at least in 1080, you can plug that into the end of just any short camera arm that can just sit on a table. Um, if you want to go up to 4K so that you can have better quality imagery, perfectly fine. I'm, I'm sure you'll have a lot more use out of that because you can you, you can use that as your normal streaming webcam. But you know what? I use my Razer Kayo as my normal streaming webcam anyway too. Just go out and buy one and start playing. Yeah, it's really not too bad. And it allows you to play online if you like. These days, like it, you can play a little bit more in person. I know that we're uh, in our state. We recently had another mask mandate, which yeah. isn't too bad. Nothing's closing down, but it allows someone who's feeling uncomfortable to just play online and it's not too hard. And it's really, we were talking about this last week when we were talking about the virtual LGS if you want to have that experience of talking to players, of enjoying just the banter of playing Commander, right now, if you're afraid of going outside, or if you're not comfortable with going outside, or you're, or you're telling yourself, you know what, we're leading into a season where people can get sick anyway, I might just want to be a bit more careful going into this, this fall, this winter, definitely. Download Spelltable. Actually, you don't even download. You just go to Spelltable.com <laughs> and you just log in. Connect your camera. Connect it to this $20 camera mounting arm. Maybe you need to spend 30 You know what? That's fine too. Just don't go to Home Depot and raid the, the scrap bin to try to waste hours of your life to just put to get this something that's going to take up an entire fourth of your room. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ross, where, where have I put my camera arm away? It is on top of a piano? Yes. Or is that a keyboard? That's that, a keyboard. It is a, it's on top of my electric keyboard, which is out of the way of the rest of my room. It's literally not obstructing anything. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a good place for us to stop. Did you yeah. have anything else you wanted to add? I wanted to have... Morgan, can you send us off with the kicking my email theme song? <laughs> God, I've become what I hate.